Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from I don't know, Laurel Canyon. What is this? Somewhere, somewhere in LA, right? Laurel Canyon? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not in the studio. We're in an Airbnb. It's a nice Airbnb. Uh, I'm in the room with Nastasia the Hammer Lopez, Hello. Jackie Molecules, Woo. and Harold McGee. Got Harold McGee. How you doing, Harold? I'm doing great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, do we have John uh, in, in uh, Joe? No, John. We have Joe in the booth, in the New York booth. John, how you doing, John? I'm here. Uh, yeah. Peachy. What? I love being here with just Joe. I love you, Joe. Yeah. It's, it's, good. it's nice being here with just Joe, you know? I know. You got to, you know, have a little, uh, you have a little yeah. just you bonding time, you know? It's nice. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, and... I think we were going to have Quinn, so I don't know. We'll see if Quinn uh, gets back on, uh, and we'll wait. Hopefully, we have the announcement for my man Quinn. But I want everyone to know, I mean, very few people are going to hear this before Friday because it's just our Patreon people, but that's actually the last day to buy a new Spinzall 2.0 for the pre-order. Like, Ever. I mean, like, so we honestly don't know when the next time you'll be able to buy one is because, I don't know, we're like, you know, that way we're not solvent that way. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, all right, so I'm not used to having, like, you know, the majority of the people in the, in the room with me. So uh, what, uh, hey, John, you're, you're over there. What's, uh, what's going on in the past uh, week in the world of food? I have just finally fully recovered from being sick. I've been out of work for three weeks. I had strep wow. throat, and then I had COVID. Wow. And I gave my mom COVID, too. So I was, yeah, it's been, I've been in full form. Today's going to be the first day back. Yeah, yeah, hold up, hold up. Hold up. So, so you went from the throat, then to the lungs. Yep. Different infection. So, like, what's next? You're going to get some horrible GI bug? You work your way I down. Know, man. Hopefully, nothing. Why are you saying that? I'm, I'm just asking. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm just, just asking. Uh, all right. So, uh, but so like just recently. So you like not even time to have any interesting food, fun food facts. How's the restaurant faring with you being all all sick? Everyone's a little overworked, but I think it's been going well. Yeah, because it's you know a new era. They can't people, get mad at you. A couple you. bottles of whiskey or something. Yeah, yeah. They can't get mad at you anymore, and that's new era. I know. It I used know. to be like doesn't matter how sick you are coming in work, and now exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's so now, much better that it's not like that. Right. Except yes, it's it's it is better for the world that yes. it is like that. But in general, you know, if it wasn't bad for yes. the world, you'd rather be working than at home recuperating especially like in that weird time when you don't feel sick anymore but you still can't do anything with people you know what i mean absolutely it's yep. a it's a real it's a real burn that one but anyway yes it is it is better um all right so and what about you guys in the room anything i mean obviously we had a we made a meal last night it was like you know we didn't ruin anything here we're in someone's airbnb let me ask you a question john um <laughs> uh let's say I mean, I don't, I'll just say it. See what you think. They put a cheese nut. You know I don't see very well in the dark, oh, right? Oh, yeah. You know I don't see very well in the dark. So I'm out there in the dark. I'm, I think it's reasonable to assume that if you pick up a cheese knife to cut a piece of cheese, that the handle of that knife isn't going to be so sh- sharp that it slice, slices through your like, relatively well-calloused thumb. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah. That's reasonable, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, if any of you folk out there have an Airbnb and you're like, the handle of this cheese knife broke, maybe I'll glue it together in such a fashion. It's a glass handle. Did you keep it, Dave? I don't know what it, I did. It's still out there. Oh, good. Okay, because okay, yeah. I'll take a photo. Maybe we and, can get Oh, come on. I'm not going to try to get any money out of Why? someone for slicing my thumb because it's just a bonehead move. It doesn't mean they have to be we financially save, We can save Kempari more money. Uh, oh, or we can just see what we can try to find out what cheese knife that is. <laughs> yeah, and then well, and then I'll get this, John. And you know, like I sometimes go, I sometimes go, I don't know, aggressive when something's not, you know, whatever. So they had another cheese knife that was like intensely dull, right? But that was the cheese knife that I was going to try to cut this other cheese with. Meanwhile, I'm bleeding. 
P.S. You know what I mean? <laughs> I still want cheese because just because I'm bleeding doesn't mean that I don't want cheese. You know, and I've balled up my hand with my thumb tucked under so that I'm not, you know, dripping blood on people's food and, and, and whatnot. I pick up the next cheese knife. It's some sort of like, you know, aged Gouda, Borenkos equivalent, whatever in the hell they have out here, you know. I don't know what they call it when they import it out here. You know, I'm an East Coast man. And uh, the knife just shatters in two. I what? push into the cheese and the knife just freaking like blows up like like the pieces of the knife everywhere. And again, I'm not using it to pry open a paint can. Like if you're prying <laughs> open a paint can and a little tip of that knife goes in your eye, that's on you. You know what I mean? You should have gotten a pry bar or, you know. It's happened it, to me. <laughs> yeah, right? Of course it has. We've all done it. The worst, oh my God, how many of you have done, how many of you use Ulfa snap knives? I use Ulfa snap knives a lot because they, they're thin. They, you can carry them in your pocket. They look like pens. You know what I mean? But sharp knife. But you're always like, I need to pry that open. Don't use a snap knife to pry things open. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Also, like, that, the miniature Ulfa snap knife, the one that's the same size as a small X-Acto blade, has this issue where it never wants to snap along the snap lines. So, like, the bigger Ulfa knives, like, they snap real easy. You put them against a table, you go, you hold your hand over it, you go pop, and the blade stays on the thing. But the, the super, super sharp X-Acto equivalent one always wants to break at some crazy angle. I still like it, though. <laughs> still, and the, the, the holster for them, the actual thing, is stainless steel, so it's impossible to, to get it so infilthened that you can't un-infilthen it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, all right. So let me see. Uh, someone let me know if we, uh, if we ever uh, get uh, Quinn on the line, because he, he, was, he was on the line yesterday, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe he thought that because we were in L.A., we were moving it up to noon L.A. time. He was going to get himself a break. <laughs> you think that could be it? I'm going to toast. All right. So later today, we're doing a class at Thunderbolt L.A. with uh, Mike Hepaferi, and we're going to be talking Spinzol 2.0 and all of the magical, awesome things that it can do. And then tomorrow, if you're hearing our voices, there is still time to come to the Thunderbolt Booker and Dax uh, party but if you bring an applehead doll you will get a creamsicle well is it more road sign styles or more creamsicle it's like those guys the the prison workers that work on the side of the road color wow yeah. so you assume that specific. everyone who's on the side of a road with a jacket is in prison that's what my mom told me well, your mom is not <laughs> correct that's just not right yeah. like that's like a job that you just no. get yeah, it's like cleaning the side of the road. Yeah, it, it, we we don't like. We, first of all, like not every state is like a chain gang state. <laughs> I think here, and like maybe California is. Yeah. I think here is. I mean, man, it's just like so. Like, that's the color of this hat, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so chain if you want to be orange. seen as a chain gang, <laughs> chain gang orange. Yeah, it's a little brighter than it's a little. It's got a little more of a highlighter tone than like uh, than orange jumpsuit orange. I think. We were saying last night, it's so low fashion that it's actually high fashion. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, we, if you come and bring an Applehead doll, uh, we recommend that you leave the plastic crinkly thing. In the hat. In the hat. Because, hold on a hold on First of all, you get this. Wow. Yeah. And secondly, it makes it stand like real, real straight. I don't think you should do like Nastasia did and adjust it five sizes too small and squeeze it over my head because then you do get a severe headache. Yeah. And listen. But Dave, you could, you're also going to sign them, right? If you want me to. And then, uh, and then uh, I, I'm not, listen, I've told you guys, I'm not a fan of snapback in general, but I guess in a hat this lo-fi, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, we can only afford those. Here's what I like. Like a standard snapback is a single large snap, right, on the, on the thing. These guys are like, I don't really trust the one snap because it's going to be so low quality. Just throw in two and that's cheap. Oh, yeah, two rows of snap. Two rows of snap. Double and four snap on yeah, these. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't know, man. I hope we're painting a good visual for the listeners here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you need one of these hats, man. Yeah. Uh-oh, we're barrel talking. It's got at least 65% cotton, but I'm sure it's uh, post-consumer cotton. So uh, we're good. All right. Uh, so, uh, Quinn said, oh, Quinn can't be online right now. Uh, Quinn said to do the Harold McGee questions first, but unfortunately I don't know of the Harold McGee questions first cause I don't have the new questions. So 
I don't know what to do about this. So Harold, welcome. Have you ever? <laughs> when was the last time you were on the show? It's been uh, a long time, right? Oh gosh, I, um, yeah, maybe back when my book came out. Wow, two two thousand twenty. Yeah, that's yeah. like three years ago. Yeah. though. Nosedive. Yeah. yeah, almost three. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you know, his, his, his Instagram now has to have the word smells in it. Yeah. It's like on food and smell. What is it? On food and smells? Uh, on food dot on smells. On food dot on smells. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> on food. How about on smells on food? That would be, that's the yeah, news. I clearly didn't spend enough time playing with the possibilities. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. but I mean, like, you could do, like, a. have you considered doing a double volume set where they're, like, the same and it's, like, on food and then you could, like, you know. I mean, Nosedive has a different, you can't really package them together because they have an entirely different format. It's an entirely different shtick. It's not a continuation of the other in smell land. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I was told by my publisher of On Food and Cooking that it can't be any longer than that. And so that would mean kind of doubling the, right. <laughs> the length. Yeah. Maybe there are ways to get around that now. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, all right, well then, uh, I'm just going to start reading some questions, and maybe they're for Harold, and maybe they're not, right? We'll see. Uh, from, now how do you think you pronounce this? El Butts? El Butts. El Butts. Butes? El Butes, maybe. El Butes. I don't know, B-U-T-T-E-S? I'm going to go with El Butts. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would want to be called. (laughs) Although, like, it could be El Booties. That would be good. Anyway. Both work. Or maybe it's Butte. Could be Butte. Yeah, I think it's Butte. El Butte. El Butte. That's good. You know, I've never, I've been to things they call Buttes, but I've never been to like a serious like tabletop, like close encounters. I mean, Harold, that seems like something you've done. You've, been, you've ever been to one of those things? I have not. Because no, how do you get on no. top of one of those things if you're not like a climber? Helicopter? There you no go. idea. Yeah, you know what? I just, <laughs> I feel like we're never going to get there, Stas. At one point we were like, what do we got to do to get helicopter rich? Who, what do we, who, what do we, what terrible thing do we have to do to get helicopter rich? That's and, not billions though. To have a helicopter? I mean, helicopters are expensive to maintain, you know? I don't know. We, I, we're beyond even getting a helicopter share. We're beyond like having enough money to like get a blade to go to, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, L Butes wants to know, keep hearing about Dave's dislike of melon. Makes me wonder about Midori and as to whether Midori is that green fake melon liqueur, which I just tasted again. And? Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's fine though. You know what I mean? Like, so like, a, like most liqueurs like that to me are like some flavor and then like a lot of sugar and some color. So, yeah. you know, it, it's fine. Like I don't find it as offensive as a real melon because it doesn't taste like a real melon. You know what I mean? And as I've said many times, the more something tastes like a melon, the more I dislike it. You know what I mean? So uh, anyway, uh, wonder about Midori and whether that is considered contraband or not. Hey, man, no, listen, I've had people pour me decent Midori drink. Look, a drink is a drink. Ingredients are things within that drink. I learned a long time ago that small amounts of things I hate make things taste better sometimes. You know what I mean? Uh, another question related to melons, but different. Is there any way to preserve the freshness of watermelon juice? Fresh watermelon juice is the elixir of the gods, but if it sits for even like five minutes, it just loses all its appeal. Is there a way to keep it fresh or is it just a juice a la minute situation? Thanks. Do you know anything about, Harold, about watermelon juice and its, and its uh, lifespan? I've never uh, worked a lot with it because it's, I mean, I've made it, it but I've never worked a lot with it. No. Uh, and and that melon doesn't count among your proscribed. Uh, no, ah, like. uh, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. Now, I think the problem is that the the main volatile component in watermelon flavor is um, something that is created when the cells are crushed and then just kind of either evaporates or reacts with other stuff. So it just it doesn't last. So like melt watermelon Jolly Ranchers into the juice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jack up that particular yeah. molecule, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. my favorite melon product is, is, yeah, watermelon Jolly Ranchers. Um, I get this, so like, I see what you think about this. Maybe it's the some of these volatile things and the other melons that I hate, because I've had dried melon that I think is good. And, it, and by the way, I know a lot of people, melon's a texture problem. It's not a texture problem for me. So like, could it be something there, like, just that muskiness that I hate. 
Yeah, so honeydews, hey. which, but they don't have as much of the the muskmelon yeah. aromas. But the where are you on this do. cantaloupe is fake situation? Are you part of this internet wave? Uh, no. That, no. like, <laughs> our cantaloupes aren't actual cantaloupes and that cantaloupes aren't available here and that the cantaloupe that we have is not a real cantaloupe. It's some sort of new variety that's only, like, like 70 years old or something like this. Well, Are I you think, on this train? Yeah, d- um, my understanding uh, is that uh, cantaloupe melons come from a place in Italy by that name, Cantalupo or something like that, and uh, and it's like... 100 years old, 150 years old. And of course, there have been different varieties developed from it, different versions of it. And some of them maybe bear little or no resemblance to the original, but... So even the original is only like 100 years old. That's my recollection. And the one that comes from California that we see in the supermarkets with a uniform netting on the outside and bright orange flesh and that horrible cantaloupe taste... (laughs) That is even younger, but as from here, oh, yeah, and it's not yeah. the same as they... No, they're, they're continuously breeding them so that they'll do better in, you know, California agricultural conditions, yeah. which are not the same as uh, central Italy, so... Are you a fan of cantaloupes? I love a good one, yeah, a ripe one. So the yeah. better, more it tastes like stuff I hate, the more you like it. Exactly. <laughs> All right, from uh, Skullven. A short version of question. I'm wondering if Dave can share any more details about whole limes being juiced in the Kuvings juicer. So the Kuvings, the auger juicer that I use. You ever done, have I done, I haven't done, have you ever done any experiments, Harold, with full peel juice? No, no. So you, are you, okay, uh, briefly, briefly. So, uh, you know, the super juice phenomenon that people, like this whole super juice Megillah? Nope. No, all right, so like. (laughs) So, you know, oleosaccharum? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So in oleosaccharum, everyone got all bent because they're like, oh, you know, the oil's not soluble. You're using the sugar as an abrasive. Yep. All right, so we're agreeing on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sugar's an abrasive. You then add juice to it, and it's quote-unquote more stable because so much peel is in it that you don't notice the um, what's going on to the <laughs> juice, which is still aging. You haven't actually made the juice last any longer. You just added more flavors to it. Yeah. So they do it instead of with sugar, they do it with acid. And then to make up for the fact that now it's super acidic, they jack in uh, water. So it's water, juice, and peel. And they like it. A lot of people say they like it better. For me, you know, I don't know. You're making it cheaper because you're adding water to it, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like acid adjusting a juice. It's like adding water and just like, you know, Erzatz juice. Yeah. You with me on yeah. this? Theory? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, if, if what you like is peel, what if you just throw the entire piece of fruit into like a, a vertical auger juicer, mm-hmm. then instead of grinding up the white part, like literally just presses the entire thing very, very hard, almost like you would if you were muddling peels with mm-hmm. oleo, and it turns out it's delicious. Lime is a little bit too bitter, so like you have to cut it 50-50, uh, but like lemon is great. And, you know, I, w- I wouldn't use it in every application, but, and so like, I don't know what to call it, so I call it peely juice. So uh, Scalavan was uh, saying about, about peely juice, uh, if I have any more information on it, I've, I've only just played with it. I haven't tested like the range of drinks to use them in and what's better and, and what's worse. I have stabilized it a little bit. Like, so I've hit it with like a little bit of um, uh, Arabic or acacia gum to like, uh, keep the oils like fully in suspension throughout it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to thicken it too much with xanthan. Some people have a problem because they, I, here's where every juicer is different. Like, uh, like, you know, in Rosemary's Baby, every pregnancy is different. Every juicer is different. And so they're all, the juices that every juicer makes is, is completely different. So like Breville throws a crap because it's centrifugal juicer, throws a crap ton of, because it shreds and then anything that it shreds, it throws through the centrifuge and so stuff gets through. So people were saying that when they were doing this kind of juice with a centrifugal juicer, which I, don't, I haven't tried it, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be as good, that it actually, the pectin regels overnight and they get like a gel. Huh. Um, anyway, let's see what uh, Scalvin did. Long version. Uh, we, uh, they have uh, at Scalvin Distillery, they picked up a Revo 830, which is the one I use, and they tossed limes into it, uh, too oil heavy and bitter. So what they did is 
is they juiced the whole limes, they hit it with pectinex, they ran it through a centrifuge quickly to do some partial stripping uh, of the of the pulp and some of the oil, and then they they liked it a lot. They thought it was real good. Hmm. But I do a lot of partial stripping, actually. You know, you want to keep it whole, like you want to keep a lot of stuff in it, but you don't want it, like, if it's totally clear, it won't shake. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Anyway. Uh, oh, and Skullven, Quinn, I know you can't be online right now, but if you can uh, hear uh, Skullven wishes you, because it's Quinn's, if Quinn's not going to come on, we can just say now, he's right? He's not, he's not. It's his 30th birthday. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Happy birthday, wow. Quinn. Happy birthday, yeah. Quinn. Happy birthday. Yeah. So, you know, we... we Happy birthday, hope, Quinn. Yeah. We hope for the day that he can come back on regular, that all this stuff gets uh, straightened out. He just uh, sent a question over for Harold. All right, let's hear it. Uh, when garlic bulbs are stored for a while, the germs inside the individual cloves of garlic often start sprouting a green shoot. It's often said that it's best to remove the germs from the cloves to improve the flavor of the garlic. Is this a myth or is there some reason the green shoots taste bad? If this is a thing, is it best to remove the germ of the clove even when it's not green or is it only an issue when it's green and sprouting? So, uh, this idea that the, that the, the shoot in the middle of the uh, garlic clove is a problem, I think it goes back to classic French uh, technique, because that's where I've seen it the most. And especially, I know that Thomas Keller, in his books, is very particular about cutting that out before you then blanch the garlic five times in milk. To and... remove all flavor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And, and I think that's that's actually the the point I would make about the the uh, the germ is that you know relative uh, unless the the clove is really um, anemic that uh, center shoot is a tiny fraction of it and I don't think it's going to have much effect I actually you know if if I've got a clove that is kind of green in the middle I'll I'll pull on it because it's really easy to pull it out and then munch on it while I'm chopping the rest. Delicious. Well, that's what you said to me years ago when I first, I brought this up to you years ago and you were like, you ever have like uh, green garlic scapes? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, do you like them? I'm like, yeah. He's like, there you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but on the other hand though, when they, what causes garlic on storage to go kind of like, is it that it's been bruised and then like the, the sugars break down when it gets kind of brown and shrinkly, then that's gross. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets really harsh. I mean, it's still garlicky, but yeah. harsh garlicky, not kind of fresh, juicy garlicky. How yeah. much do you pay attention to, and I, I know that we never got that guy Block on with his garlic book. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Eric, yeah. Eric Block. Yeah. Yeah. Who wrote like the book on garlic, which is kind of like a mishmash of like hard hard science, you know, with all of freaking sulfur chemistry and like lore and recipes, right? Yeah. Not as not as good a read as your stuff, I don't say. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I own the book though, and um, it's a good book. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of good stuff. So I mean, everybody knows that. So this is something that worried me for a long time because everybody knows that like the way that the garlic is sliced and or crushed prior to being heated has a large impact in the flavors and it uh, that it develops, right? At least this is what I read and what I was told. And, and then it just got too much for me. I, just, I was like, I, I'm not going to worry about this anymore. I'm just going to chop up the garlic. I'm not going to worry about how mashed it is. Where, where are you in this continuum of worrying about how you pre-prep your garlic? <laughs> I'm with you. You know, if I'm cooking something, I don't have time to worry about it. So, you know, if, if I've got, uh, if I have to hunt around to find a masher, mm-hmm. I'll forget about it and just use my knife and some salt and, and bash it. Yeah, yeah, the salt helps, right? It's a more abrasive situation. Yeah. yeah. I hate my fingers getting sticky when I'm working with garlic. <laughs> I hate it. It's a special kind of sticky yeah. that I don't yeah. like. I don't like any kind of sticky, but yeah. Uh, I've also, I'm not very good at the, I'm not very good at the mash into a paste. I've seen like, you know, Anne Burrell's real good at it. She'll like mash like the garlic in, like in one or two shots and then she can just hack a rack a doodle to get rid of the filaments that still exist in the mash. I'm just not, I've never really, uh, Yeah, uh. yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not adept enough to do that. So usually I, I just use a grater. Oh yeah? Yeah. I have one of these new, like, uh, they're like Mezzaluna style paste makers. Have you seen this? No. So no. it's like, 
It's like looks like a cheese grater, but it's got a handle on it, and it's uh, and you so you just put it on the on the on your board, and you go, and it just extrudes the garlic through the holes. Huh. You know what it, it doesn't do? Clean itself easily. <laughs> the sucker is so hard to clean. Do you remember back in the day when the the first aluminum xylus garlic presses came out and? They were huge. Everyone was like, God, I'll buy a garlic press. And then there was a huge backlash. I don't feel there was ever a comeback. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the backlash was like, you're a bad cook. You need to use a garlic press. You're a bad cook. And then no one was like, why? You know, why? Who cares? Yeah, but they also don't work as well as a grater, right? So Yeah, that's even why? more cleaning. You use like a microplane or like a box yeah, grater? Yeah, no, microplane. And and uh, as long as you do it right away, I think they. I just rinse. You know, you just you just whack it against the side of the sink and rinse, and all the stuff comes out. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm terrible at cleaning microplanes. Really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. When I have to like you ginger or garlic or something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. You go. You grate your ginger too. Yeah. 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 You know, uh, I feel it like the microplane has taken over. Uh, okay, there was a rumor going out that like microplanes can actually make damaging fibers because they're so sharp that they don't crush stuff enough and that like I don't believe that at all like for cinnamon or whatever I don't believe it I'm just gonna go ahead and say I don't believe that but I will say that uh because of the you know intense microplane hegemony that's happened in the grading world in the past you know 15 years that we miss that other graders make different like graded things so like the venerable crappy box grater with the punched out you know nail punched out stars i like certain kinds of cheeses like granas on that that grater better than the super fluffy stuff from a microplane yeah yeah you know yeah yeah no i agree um there's some new box graters too with like you know different different surfaces on the four sides and and sometimes the bottom as well so mm, all yeah, kind of yeah. yeah yeah i don't know that there's a need for the big hoop box grater although i guess it's good for things like i mainly use my box grater for the the rough the rough side not yeah. the cuz i have other things that do the other kinds of gratings quite yeah. well you yeah. know what i mean but yeah. uh salad master i'm a salad master man you know what i mean Hey, get this. Do you know how we worry a lot about safety for the for the spins all because like that's our job is to worry about like the interlocks and all this and how like everyone's like, well, do you know how easy it is to disable the interlock in a uh, in a Cuisinart? So like my Cuisinart, I had a great Cuisinart. I like the Cuisinart that just has the blank lid top. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Doesn't have the shoot feeder, which never works for me. Doesn't have any yeah. of that crap. It's just a blank lid top. And a go button. And like, uh, I don't know, it, it broke. And like, so I got a new one, but my, I, those, so I have to use the one with the, with the click on top with the, all the shoots and like five levels of interlock. And of course it fails, it breaks, you know what I mean? And so, I don't know, I don't want to buy a whole new thing and they, they all have slightly different ones. So you need to know the exact model, whatever. But it turns out that if you just like, click the bowl in without the lid on it at all and take a butter knife and shove it into that slot in the back, it's on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you don't even have to push real hard. It's just like, boop, you know what I mean? There's no way our factory would let us get away with something like that. And I was so angry that we have to jump through these hoops. And here I am with a Cuisinart, just freaking running it. I can shove my whole face into the bowl and bl- you know, grate it off. <laughs> no problem. And yet we have to like, you know, whatever. It's brand privilege, you know. It is. Yeah. You know, well, you know what? It's funny. Uh the, the if the factory in in their initial conversations with the certification labs, if they say if the person's like this is a problem, then it's a problem. Like and you don't get to say it's not. And so it really is like, you know, but if someone like Cuisinart says it's like, well, take it take it to a different Take it somewhere else. You know what I mean? But, like, you know, they're not going to do that for you, you know, and neither do you have the money or time to deal with that. Uh, all right. Do we, do we have any more uh, of those McGee questions? All right. Got it. All right. Uh, hey, Alex, you asked me about uh, – Godin asked me a question about a carbonated thing, but I can't see it because I'm, I'm going – it's so weird. Like, I have all this technology in front of it, but yet none of it is working for me. <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll try to look at that for, for next week. Uh, here's one. Uh, Harold, do you think about knives? Biff Ditt uh, wrote in, 
I've often noticed that knives out of the box are always wickedly sharp in terms of cutting food items like onions and ripe tomatoes, but they will not cut the hair on my arm, like the shaving test, the good old-fashioned shaving test. Um, although, yeah, what explains this, and uh, why can that kind of sharpness never again be replicated? Presumably, I can uh, be much more precise and, uh, and use a, a higher grit than the factory finishing process. I mean, what do, you, do you think a lot about sharp? How do you sharpen your knives? Uh, seldom. Ah, well, I'm sure your knives are sharper than the ones we used last night. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't do it that often. Uh, I've got you know one of the easy pull through things. things oh, I that, hate those things. They ruin your knives. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you know, I, I share the kitchen with someone else, right. and. Um, it's just the easiest I know, solution. That is the truth. When you share your kitchen with someone who doesn't care, like it's hard to care about anything. You know, you can't unless you have stuff that's like very like this is my stuff, which is what I kind of do with some of my stuff in my kitchen. I'm like, this is my stuff. You don't and Booker's like, why? I'm like, Be, like it's my stuff. You know, I don't go and play with your subway memorabilia or use it to like I don't I don't fry an egg on your roll sign. You know, don't use this. You know what I'm saying? Um, anyway, uh, I think, you know, look, the, a lot has been done in the past 15 years on knife sharpening. And, uh, you know, a couple of years ago we had on uh, the knife steel nerds uh, guy, Laren Thomas, right? Um, and uh, so it used to be that there was a lot of guesswork about how sharpening worked and people would be like, micro serration this, boobity beep, bop that. And, you know, uh, he kind of, in his book, and a lot of other people have done this, just they just take scanning electron micrographs of what's going on and actually look and then, you know, just run scads of actual real world tests on the force required for cutting through various things. And people have devised all sorts of like uh, how many feet of paper can an, a blade cut through before the paper tears and they have an automatic pulling machine that does it. So all, like all of this stuff has gone from like kind of just, uh, you know, uh, mystery and magic to, uh, you know, real, you know what I mean? So you can... Just go look at it. I don't happen to know the answer off the top of my head, but you can get things pretty dang sharp, especially nowadays. It's easier to get things um, arm. Something can be extremely sharp for something like a tomato um, and still have a relatively large angle, in, uh, inclusion angle on, on, the, on, the, on the blade, and, but not really be good enough or be you know, uh, the best for shaving because those are very, very, very – whether you want to call it a low angle or a high angle, but you know what I mean, very narrow angle. Yeah. Uh, and so I would say that, um, you know, there always used to be and still is a huge trade off between how small of an angle you can get and how tough the uh, blade is against, you know, chipping. Um, uh, we were talking about chipping. I hate seeing a chip knife, but, you know, all of my ceramics are chipped. Wiley, my brother in law, Wiley Dufresne, uh, as soon as a ceramic knife chips, he'll throw it away. He can't stand it. So he buys a lot of those like cheap Kyocera like ceramics, and then as soon as they're chipped, they're gone. But I'm like, I'm not going to throw it away, right? Do you guys throw away a chip? No. 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 Do you ever get huge scallop chips out of the main belly of the blade? I do. The little pair, the little the petties. Yeah, I still keep it. I break the tip off. Like it has to be like totally hosed when you throw it away. <laughs> But anyway, um, they're much better now uh, at keeping those narrow angles. So if you want to uh, shave with it, I'd say um, unless your super dupe's good, you're going to want a small inclusion angle. I mean, having shaved with a straight razor for many years and sharpening that thing, they're actually quite easy to sharpen, but I don't recommend it. Like modern razors are so good that like, you know, I remember for years I was like I had the brush, I had the cup. I was in my 20s. You know what I mean? So like I had the brush, I had the cup. I'm like, this is what I'm going to do now. I'm going to be, I have the strop. And like, and I would cut my face every day. My face would always have like those lines, those yep. cuts in it. And like, I would get like, you know, I'm, I'm a delicate flower. So my, my skin is relatively sensitive. So like I would get all rip up. You know what I mean? And then I went back and I was like, I was like, you know what? I don't have my stuff with me. I'm just going to go get a Mach 3 again or whatever the current is. I was like, Damn. Damn, this razor is awesome. And then I was like, why am I doing this straight razor? What am I, oldie timey Dave? 
You know what I mean? It's like, ridiculous. Yeah, it's there's ridiculous. no reason. There's no reason. I mean, like, uh, you know, if you're going to carry it around to like Sweeney Todd people or something, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a whole separate, the whole separate, yeah. Get this. My wife, okay, so a couple of, like a couple of months ago, we don't go out much. We're busy, right? You know what I mean? So she's like, we live in New York. What the hell? Let's go see a Broadway play. So we went to go see Parade. All right? Fine. Parade. Right? Uh, performance was good. You know, whatever you think about the musical is whatever you think about the musical. And she's like, we should go to Broadway more. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's fun. We should eat beforehand because crap on that. Like trying to find some crap on that. You know what I mean? But anyway, so then she now starts going to Broadway with other people, not me. So she says... Let's go to Broadway. And then she's like, oh, she, I forget where she just went. Somewhere nice, somewhere fun. And now she's taking, uh, as a birthday present to my niece, taking just her, not me, Sweeney Todd on Friday. And Sweeney Todd, great musical. I, I walk around saying how, like, you know, never forgotten and never forgave. I'm, I'm, I'm all about that Sweeney, though. You know what I mean? Um, you just show up. That's what Nastasia would do, right? Just go. Just show up. Just buy a ticket and show up and be like, what? I'm here. What's stopping you from going? Because she wants to have this time with the niece. What? She doesn't have to see you. That's that's weird. That's so so, so aggressive. Are you going to put an angry look on your face? Do you get a better seat or a worse seat? (laughs) But also, why why don't you do anything? Like... You can't, you're like, I need the first flight out of LA. Like, as soon as we're done. But now she's going. I weight of things that I ha- I'm not getting done. And there's literally not enough time for me to get the stuff that I'm contractually obligated to do done. Plus, the dog's going to piss all over the floor and like all this other stuff. So I, just, I can't get, I can't, the sack is too small to fit the crap I have to shove into it. So like, you know, anything that is like remotely like, oh, I would just like to do that has to wait until I'm either dead or I actually get some of these projects done. You know what I mean? How about this, Stas? You can take my ashes to all the fun places I'd like to go. <laughs> and uh, you know what I mean? Like Front row, Sweeney Todd. Yeah. So that's the question. So does Nastasia buy like front row and look back and give the stare? Or does she go in the in the super news, nosebleeds and then someone's like who's that person with binoculars oh my god it's Nastasia no she's in the balcony like Statler and Waldorf uh, uh, and the Muppets you know yeah she's up there yeah. on, on the wing yeah, <laughs> love it uh, from KM I made corn milk now it's not this Monday it's last Monday I made corn milk on Monday it's tasty which of course KM means that you hate it <laughs> has taste it's not a taste you like but it is a in, taste in in my kitchen, tasty counts. Yeah, tasty is your bro yeah. tasty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. As you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah we have we've had this discussion many times, <laughs> but I, I can't get around it because I grew up with it. Yeah. You know, yeah. whenever we would go out and my stepfather would say something's tasty, I was like, oh, he hates that. <laughs> yeah, because he's not going to say this sucks. He's just going to be like, it has taste. Uh, flavorful. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had many things that are flavorful. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of this flavor is in that. Full of yeah. Flavors, yeah. All the wrong ones, <laughs> and in the wrong proportions. Yeah, but they're there. They are there. Uh, I made corn milk on Monday. It's tasty. I estimated a seven-day shelf life. Today, it smells like sulfur, but the smell goes away once it's steamed, and the taste is unaffected. Is there any way to eliminate the sulfur odor in the corn milk? And what? Uh, I never think of corn as being overly sulfurous. What do you think is going on there? Well, uh, so corn, one of the reasons corn goes so well in a, in a uh, kind of clam bake situation is that it's got uh, dimethyl sulfide, mm-hmm. which is what you get off the ocean. So you're kind of sitting there cooking corn along with other things and kind of amplifying that, um, that uh, aroma of place. Um, usually that's a good thing. Uh, I don't know why it would be so prominent that it would uh, be annoying, but it is a volatile molecule. So if you heat whatever it's coming from, like corn milk, then it's going to go away. But is it one of those things that's made like more prevalent by crushing, or is it is it is it is it present, or is a precursor present? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure what the origin chemistry is. Um, I, I just know that in in the flavor literature, it is considered one of the most important volatiles to give the impression of corn. 
Corn. Uh, we had someone call in from Iowa, and you know I don't even think about Iowa sweet corn. I think about you know Iowa like a lot of corn, but like not corn that I'm eating directly. I'm eating it by eating a pig, right? yeah. you know what I mean, yeah. or, or whatever. And he was like, "Yeah, no, like our sweet corn that we buy there is freaking great." Because you know I'm all about that Jersey corn because I live near Jersey. Jersey's got to have something, right? They got, <laughs> they got tomatoes. Long Island man knows what I'm talking about. Like, uh, you know, they got, they got to have something, corn and tomatoes. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but now I kind of want, like, that awesome, like, right out of the field Iowa sweet corn. And I grew up in Illinois. Great corn in Illinois. Yeah, good sweet yeah, corn. Yeah, Midwest. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and so, cheap. Let me, uh, cheap. Let me ask when you I this. go back home, yeah. When did the super sweets come out? Not the half sweets. The half sweets have been around for you know a century and a half or so. But the super sweets, how long have they been around? I think uh, like the eighties, seventies and eighties is when they were developed, and then it took a while to get commercialized. But I think that's so. The corn of your youth had to be picked that morning, cooked that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For like a nickel an ear. I remember yeah. when I was. I still remember this from when I was three. That we, we used to live in, um, uh, what's it called, uh, where Stanford is, uh, Palo, uh, was it Palo, um, Palo Alto or something like that, right? One of those towns right there. Yeah. And uh, my parents grew corn so they could have corn. This is like 1972. They uh-huh. grew corn so that they could have the corn and they would go cut it and right, it, right away steam. Like yeah. cut, steam. Do you think it's still better a super sweet? It doesn't matter at all because it just doesn't convert back to starch. Yeah, it doesn't convert back. And I, I actually find today's corn kind of cloying. Ah, you know? too sweet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but it's hard to find anything else. So I have to admit that I haven't done a side-by-side with a traditional, uh, a traditional ear. I think people really want corn to be sweet now, and then it's like the sweet is the base, and then they start worrying more about texture, right? So, like, it used to be, like, can you get, like, an ear of corn that's sweet as an indicator of freshness, and, like, texture was a secondary concern because they were so concerned about getting the sweetness, but now we're more on texture. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I I like corn for its corniness. You know, I don't – it doesn't really bother me as long as it's really got a a lot of corn flavor. So you don't mind if it's gummy or you don't Uh, mind if it's not sweet? No, gummy – yeah, I like like more mature ears Mm. because they have more flavor. And, uh, in fact, when I go through the bin at the farmer's market, I I look for the biggest ones possible because they're the the most mature. I – I always just feel the top. Do you don't rip them open? Do you? Are you that guy? Uh, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah. Uh, in the seventies, we used to drown our corn in butter, mm-hmm. it's butter, mm-hmm. salt, pepper. So I grew up for years, butter, salt, and pepper. And then I just stopped one day. And is it just because we had crappy corn in in supermarket corn in the seventies, or has butter gone out of fashion, or do people still butter the hell out of their corn? You think? Uh, I don't butter the hell out of it, but I love butter on my corn. Yeah. I mean, that's something. So we, in our household, there's, you know, two plates with corn for Ellie, corn for me. Hers just goes straight into her mouth. And mine, I put butter, salt. I, I kind of salt row by row. Wow. <laughs> turning uh, to get it right. Yeah. It's, so, but but it's not swimming in butter. It's not it's it's the partnership it's not uh, yeah butter all over yesterday nastasia was telling me she comes from a rotating corn family she comes from a, a rotate the corn in the butter and uh-huh. had that like no. looks like somebody no. sat in your butter no. No. no i told you no i thought you say yes I do. Oh, you come from a rotating corn family. Unfortunately, where, where like you'll go to butter toast later and you go in the fridge and you can see the stick of butter has that like indent from somebody having <laughs> rotated corn on it. Yeah, no. It's terrible. No. John, where are you on, on uh, and Joe, where are you guys on the rotating corn spectrum? Mm, not there. Maybe we lost, did we lose them? Mm, I don't know. Or are we just talking to ourselves? Just talking to ourselves? <laughs> <laughs> the worst. 
All right. All right. Well, if, if we hear from them, they can, they can go in. But you know one of the reasons that I can't have butter that's been rotated other than the fact that it's terrible? First of all, once the butter melts on the corn, it's never the same again once it congeals back into butter form. It's been debuttered. You know what I mean? It's now some sort of in-between product, right? Yeah, but I kind of like it the next morning. It's salty, buttery, so on a an English muffin. You, wait, you use the corn butter on an English muffin? All right. Next morning, wait, you, yeah. Wait, what, yeah. What, what if you take leftover corn and then just like use it, like wipe, use the English muffin as like a dish rag and wipe off your thing and then toast it? Would that work? <laughs> Uh, I'm not. I'm, I'm not yeah. getting the picture right yeah. here. So I've eaten. Yeah, you're taking the butter off the melted butter off of the thing that has been poisoned with salt and partially melted off of the thing. But I'm uh, saying, but it's like, also got uh, corn flavor. All right. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know. But I was no. But I was saying, like, like you know how you have leftover corn and you throw it in the fridge and the next day you make corn salad. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. So, like, if you had that, then could you just take your English muffin in the morning, wipe the excess butter before you do the corn salad? Because you don't want the necessarily the, the in a cold salad, you don't yeah. want the butter. Yeah, that's Wipe true. it onto the English muffin and toast it. You're good. Yeah, yeah. My problem is there's never leftover corn. Uh, mm. You got to overcook. Uh, <laughs> not overcook, but, you know, overproduce. Yeah, yeah. So uh, another problem I have with butter that uh, happened later in life is when I was in grad school, one of my, uh, the, you know, my, the people in the program with me, his name was uh, Kaysong, uh, and he used to make these Tibetan butter sculptures. And so he, but his Tibetan butter sculpture was he would make a giant thing of butter. Stas, you'll hate this. It, the butter was like, <laughs> the butter was like waist high. And then he would get naked and sit like put his, put his junk and whatnot, and the butter sculpture was the mold of his junk and backside, and then like just that's a lot of butter anyway. You know what I mean? And so like whenever so like that image of that when I see a saddle shaped kind of butter situation, and I love Kaysong, but I'm like don't want that on my yes toast. <laughs> I don't, I don't yes, want his butter sculpture exactly. on my toast. It's not where it belongs. No, it's not where it belongs. Uh, Do we get those guys back? Do they have any? I uh, asked John. I'm waiting to hear any opinion on, uh, on on rotation of corn. All right, uh, Scott Shockley. Um, oh wait, what? We have a oh. I see that your latest content on Instagram is a graphic of kiwis going into the centrifuge. I am a semi kiwi freak. Hmm. The fruit, not the people. Yeah. And not the bird. Right? It's kind of a ridiculous bird, right? Uh, like a little ground. Like kiwi. The fruit is named because it looks like the bird, right? Not because it's from New Zealand. Or is it also from New Zealand? I think it's, yeah. I think the fruit is named after the, the national identity icons. All the yeah. amazing stuff yeah. they have in New Zealand. Why the kiwi, you think? Like, as the thing. Yeah. Why? Yeah. yeah. Don't know. It's not Don't a particularly know. magisterial bird, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah, but uh, what are the alternatives? I mean, they have I mean, really amazing, like, interesting trees, whole little, like, ecosystems with, like, really rare and cool stuff. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But needs to be cute, right? Needs uh, to be short, small. Why small? So you can actually carry one around with you? <laughs> anyway. Uh, I'm a semi-Kiwi freak and, uh, and a tiki freak and a Spinzol owner. That's good. All right. Uh, do you know of any great Kiwi drink recipes? No. <laughs> uh, in my experience, Kiwi isn't great when it's cold. I like it cold out of the fridge. I used to go so crazy on Kiwis, I would eat them until my, until my uh, lips and gums started bleeding. I once ate 20 out of a bag. The way I eat kiwis is I chop off the very hard end or sometimes use it as a little bit of a handle and then just chew it. And I think it's the combination of the protease enzymes and the rough, hairy skin makes for like, it's almost like, you remember when they used to say that, that Blistex and, and Carmex, that they would put fiberglass into it to make you addicted? Not true, I don't think, because it's not true. But that was what was running the, that was, you know, I think pre-internet, that's what everyone was saying. There's fiberglass in that. No, it's not. Uh, anyways, but it's kind of that is the equivalent of that. You ever like work with fiberglass? Oh, yes. It oh, sucks. It's horrible. Horrible. So bad. It's a fireplace. Oh, God. 
Yeah. Uh, Nastasia used to like love fake fireplaces, like love, like love fake fireplaces. And like, yeah, they're made of fiberglass. And, but those are like, so like working with that kind of fiberglass where it can like stab you at, at a moment's notice and get on your skin has a different kind of hazard than like working with the fluffy fiberglass or just the stuff because that stuff breaks off in small pieces and really gets in your skin. Like you're toast. You know what I mean? It's like you're ruined. Uh, yeah, I hate working with fiberglass. I don't think I ever want to do that again. I don't, I liked making, not with batting, but with like actual fiberglass composites. Like I used to like working, like not working with it, but like the fact that you could make something so strong. Like uh, you, you strike me, Jack, as a man who's done some fiberglass pre-preg work in your life. No, never? No. You never like made a surfboard or? Nope. Yeah. No, all my work's in audio. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, like fiberglass over foam, you can make these incredibly light things that like you could throw off of a building. You know what I mean? Like, well, once they break, they break real bad. But you know what I mean? Up until the point that they break, they're like, and there's something very cool that you can make something that seems so produced and industrial yourself. But on the other hand, hey, get, getting in my hand, I don't think I'll ever do it again. Anyway. Uh, plus now I would use, I did Kevlar once. Kevlar sucks to cut. Like I made a, I made Kevlar, I've done Kevlar. I've never done graphite. Graphite's the money. Everyone likes graphite. You like to look at graphite? Do even you like to look at graphite, Anastasia? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so do you have any great kiwi drink recipes? In my experience, kiwi isn't good cold, but I used to think uh, that about passion fruit and the Demerara dry float proves that wrong. P.S., I put my fist in the air when Dave ate a cherry. I hope he, oh, I can. I can eat as many as I want now. I mean, not as many as I want because people stop me. They're like, don't get hosed again. <laughs> I want Harold to undo his, his crustacean stuff with the shots, but he, and he, doesn't, he don't want to do it, right? You just don't feel like it's necessary. You feel like you've gone crustaceanless so long. I just don't get around to it. But I'm, I'm about to change doctors. Maybe that's something I'll bring up in my uh, punch list. Yeah. <laughs> So Scott says he has uh, the phytophotodermatitis for limes, but he still juices them with gloves on, which, you know, kudos. Wow. Get someone else to juice yeah. those limes for you, man. Yeah, yeah. You know? Get someone else to do that. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Minwa Tiger, question on the use of nitrogen and nitrous oxide in bar drinks. I know nitrogen uh, is used for coffee, and a lot of home nitro is actually nitrous. It's actually both. The problem is the terminology. And this problem when I was going over the thing, there is no standard terminology for nitrogen versus nitrous um, oxide. I will say this. When I think that if you're going to listen to a group of people, listen to the funny car people. When they say nitrous, they mean nitrous oxide. Ain't nobody in a car pumping nitrogen into their freaking fuel mixtures to like get a better, faster burn. You know why? Because nitrogen is freaking a waste product that's in the air. They're trying to get rid of that. They're trying to get more oxidizer up in that, right? So when those people say nitro, that is nitrous. And those guys have been saying nitro since well before any of us have been around because they've been using, I mean, I think forever, nitrous oxide, right? In, in, in those kind of cars. So I think they get to own the term. So I don't think we get to go back as, you know, coffee people or drink people and be like, no, no, now nitro means nitrogen. No, no, it doesn't. And also we have a nitrogen bullcrap called beer gas, right? So beer gas is nitrogen and CO2 for when you want to jack the pressure to force it through a lot of lines, but you don't want to uh, jack the CO2 higher, right? Or if you want, or nitrogen, like in a Guinness headphone, they need a good word for that, like, rolling head that you get in Guinness because that's what people are doing using nitrogen for right is to get that rolling head and a depressurized drink so there needs to be a better word for that but I don't think you get to choose nitrous or nitro I don't think you get to that's not you know you think what was that uh nitro was also like uh one of the American gladiators he's one of the original <laughs> American gladiators wow back yeah yeah back deep in like, pull. yeah so you think nitro was all about that nitrogen no no, no. You know that there's not one but two or three different American Gladiator documentaries out right now, which is why it popped into my head? Yeah. It, like, one wasn't enough. And apparently, they're vastly different and take vastly different approaches to 
what American Gladiators was. And I didn't know even anyone cared at all. I, I, went, I had to say I went to go see him in New Haven. When Wait, they, you went to go see American Gladiators? Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah, New Haven, like they came through and like we went to go see American Gladiators because it was kind of like a cool concept, like local knuckleheads. I was like, I'm going to go see local knuckleheads get the crap beat out of them. And then I saw this documentary and I was like, oh no, it really was dangerous. They really were getting the crap beat out of them. Yeah, they had no idea what was going on. <laughs> and like people were getting real aggro and everyone was like super roided up. So like they were actually like being super aggressive. That's awesome. And then like uh, it was right around the time when... Um, I guess Bush was still president, right? So they were right around the time when uh, they were like, people, steroids, bad. And so they were like, they tried to make them all do the pee test. And they're like, how are we supposed to do this job if we're not roided up? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like how am I supposed to look like this and do this? Like, what kind of fiction is this? You know what I mean? Where like, I'm supposed to go get the crap knocked out of me every day, look like I'm super freaking jacked, right? <laughs> I mean, I have the recovery time. It's not a roid-free proposition. Right. You know what I mean? Whole concept dies. Yeah. And so, like, as a nation, we can't be, we, we can't, we have to be like, well, we support the gladiators, but we don't support the roids, so we have to, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, why is it that we can't, like, we, when we want to do something bad, why can't we just be like, we're going to accept this bad thing? Don't you think we'd be better as a culture if we were like, no, we are making this choice to do something bad so that we can have jacked gladiators go out there on a daily basis? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I feel we do this all the time. We do it all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm, anyway. Uh, all right. Uh Ben S, I didn't get oh, I didn't get a chance to look at uh, your mini vacuum dist distillation setup. Let me ask you this, Stas. I know you don't want to do this, so I know you don't want to. But like, do you think that now that all of these fools are using rotary evaporators all over the world, that there is no a market? <laughs> yeah. Good, good, thoughtful answer. I'm glad you thought about it. Or like, Dave, like, imagine when all the glass breaks and that I, we I have to ship. Glass. I would never use glass. Uh. The whole point for me is like, like the, the dream, remember when we were going and we were building it, but we never finished it and the FCI wasn't supporting us and we went and I got that piece of stainless steel made and we tried vacuum forming in the kitchen. I bought a whole bunch of, of freaking uh, polycarbonate and we threw it like, so you're going to vacuum form polycarbonate people. Polycarbonate has trapped water inside of it. So you need to dry your polycarbonate at a fairly low temperature, like right around the boiling point of water in an oven, low oven for a long time before you heat it up to forming temperature because otherwise the water will poo and you'll get bubbles in your, but can you guess what person isn't patient enough to wait around for the polycarbonate to dry in an oven before they vacuum form? Can you guess? Me. Yeah. And then remember we, we tried to, to like, you remember we had the vacuum and we sucked it all down and it was like all messed up. Anyway, we never finished it, but my dream is the rotary evaporator that you can set up quickly and then uh, open up the window in your high rise, throw it out onto the street, and God willing you don't kill anybody, you could take your elevator down 30 floors, pick it up off of the ground and run it again. Like that, that is a rotary evaporator. Uh, so, wait, so we still have a couple seconds. What do you got, Harold? Anything, wait, words of wisdom. People want some McGee words of wisdom. What do you got? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> words of wisdom. Um... A breath of wisdom. A breath of right? wisdom, right? yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, well, I'll have this. No, come Harold, see us uh, tomorrow. Harold, Harold, come see us tomorrow at no, uh, yeah, Thunderbolt. LA, right? Yep. Uh, and it's probably too late to come see us today at the what's it called at Thunderbolt for the Campari. Compa thanks to the Campari uh, USA team. Harold, you want to leave them with a little bit about uh, coffee, coffee, and like rejiggering your mental words and how words are important and how you describe things? How about that? Sure. So uh, we talked about this at Harvard a little bit. Uh, there's been a kind of standard chart for uh, figuring out the sweet spot for brewing. Um, pour over coffee and three quarters of it has been uh, kind of off limits you know it's got uh, it's weak it's bitter it's not good there's a new chart out uh, as of a couple of weeks ago and uh, all the all that negativity is gone it's now um, tea like instead of weak 
and other qualities that you can enjoy in coffee. So keep your eyes peeled for a new coffee chart. Right, and stay away from uh, normative words when you're describing flavors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nastasia, you'll be very mad about this. I'll leave with this. Uh... So weak and undeveloped, weak and underdeveloped, which was one of the coffee things, which is like my business card. Weak and underdeveloped. <laughs> is now you're not you're gonna hate when it gotta be labeled. What? Sweet. Yeah, yeah. That, no one's fixing my business cards. They're gonna speak. <laughs> <weak, laughs> Errol, thanks for coming on. Uh, good to hang out with you guys in the real life again. And yeah. Show. Joe and John, we'll see you hopefully next week. Miss you guys. Quinn, hopefully also be back. Happy birthday to Quinn. Happy birthday. Yes, happy birthday. Cooking issues. <laughs>